welcome to the Growth Through Grief podcast, where we interview individuals just like you dealing with their own journey from loss to growth, along with mental health experts, growth guides, all with the purpose of helping you heal better, improve mind, body, and spirit, and finding your new purpose from the loss and the tragedy that you have experienced. Hi, I'm Tom Pasello. I'm the ROI guy, growth evangelist, founder of Growth Through Grief, and I'm also a fellow widower, having lost my beautiful bride, Judy. We were married for 19 years, and I lost her about five years ago, almost to the day. I'm here with this very special guest, uh, Terrell Whitener. And uh, Terrell, he's an accomplished author. He's a motivational speaker. He's a coach. He's based in St. Louis, Missouri. And most importantly, he's the author of a really important book that I recommend, and we've listed in our tools section on the site, The First 365, Learning to Live After Loss. We're here to talk about the book, I'll talk about the challenges that many widowers face in their first year, the first 365 days after their loss, and how to potentially avoid pitfalls and overcome obstacles that uh, that first year presents and thereafter. Uh, welcome, Terrell. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation, Tom. So I appreciate it a lot. It's always fun to talk about, you know, the book and, and to share, you know, when I have the opportunity. Absolutely. So I want to go back to the beginning of your relationship with your late wife, Robin, how you all met. So how did you meet Robin? You know what? How I met Robin was an amazing story. I had the privilege of growing up in the household with my great grandmother who lived to be 102. Oh, wow. I met Robin because Robin was my great grandmother's social worker, because one day, about two weeks before reaching our 100th birthday, she reached over, dropped a, dropped a spoon in the kitchen at home and bent over to pick it up and broke her hip. Oh, goodness. Ended up in the hospital. I mean, you're talking about a lady who used to read the newspaper from page to page, would never miss the St. Louis Cardinal baseball game on the radio, was fully sufficient, uh, living on the second floor of our house. Uh, and then all of a sudden this happens. Yeah. So Robin was her social worker. Now, my father was alive at that time and, you know, was kind of the person that took care of my great grandmother and was, you know, they made all decisions together. But when it came to during the time that she was in the hospital, one of the things that was determined was that she would have to go to a rehab facility before she came home. Mm -hmm. uh, my father communicated that to the family. We were all on board with doing what needed to be done. But for some reason, he decided that when they were doing the planning meeting that I needed to be present. So me having been divorced for about a year at that time, um, I'm like, why do I need to be there? So, you know, I said, you know, you have our full support. We understand it. You know, if you need me to convince my great grandmother, because we did have a great relationship, you know, I can do that, but I don't have to come to the hospital to do that, Pop. You got it. No, he insisted. He insisted. Mm -hmm. I started not to even go, but then I thought at the last minute, you know what, maybe he needs the support, you know, in doing that. So I, I go to the hospital, I walk in the office, and I knew what he was up to right away. <laughs> on, the up, on the other side of that is this, this lady with this wonderful smile, you know, and said, you know, I'm glad to meet you. I've heard so much about you. And then it was confirmed what he was up to. 
you have to understand, Tom, my father was not that kind of guy. He was one <laughs> of the most discerning people I ever knew. I never knew him to play matchmaker at all. Yeah. But what in the world was he up to then? So needless to say, the first thing he said is, this is my son, Terrell. And from this point forward, he will be the primary contact as it relates to my grandma. And the rest, as they would say, and is he put you right from there, that right point. in the middle. There was no denying that you were going to be with kind of yeah. in Robin's face that time, right? Well, yeah. And then the ironies of ironies is my father didn't live long enough to see us get married. Oh. But, but he, he knew. knew he was up. Yeah. To he, you know what? <laughs> it's his fault. And I'm going to talk to him about that when I get through the pearly gates as well. Absolutely. Well, total destiny there. And maybe with the guiding hand of your dad, I totally love that. And uh, then you and Robin built your lives together. Uh, talk oh, a little God, bit about yeah. that. Yeah. You know, I always describe Robin as the comet that streaked across the skies of my life. I, Robin came into my life at a very pivotal point, and we were a team. Mm -hmm. Like all marriages, we had our times. Robin, you know, Robin wasn't exactly a picnic all the time, and she would probably tell you I wasn't either. Mm -hmm. You know, but what we did was we formed a bond of love over that 16 and a half years that I had the privilege of being her husband. I never met a person in my life that believed in me more than Robin and That's a time so that I really wanted and needed somebody to believe in me. Yeah. So Especially with that kind of divorce. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You, probably yeah. felt, you know, like I did, cause I had a divorce pretty early on and I, you know, you feel like a failure coming out of that in a lot of ways. Well, and the other thing about me is when I look back and being, you know, a hundred percent transparent, I wasn't the greatest husband in my mm -hmm. first mm -hmm. marriage. And for me to, you know, one of the things, Tom, that I look back on Robin now and part of one of many reasons why I'm so grateful, Robin was evidence that God had forgiven me for the man mm. that I was before. Mm. And and boy, did he forgive me in a big way. You know, it is, uh, she was everything that I would need at that point, And I would nowhere near be the man that I became without Robin Street being in my life. Yeah. But then she got ill, right? And yeah. you wound up losing her. Talk about that a yeah. little bit. Well, you know, Robin was, like I said, she was, she was the comet that streaked across the sky of everybody's life. Mm -hmm. She had a highly, you know, responsible job. She was the director of social service at Missouri's Veterans Home. So she was big into, you know, veterans and a very, you know, patriotic women, and she believed in taking care of those guys because she believed that they deserved the best and the mm -hmm. dignity and everything in life. And she rode the emotional roller coasters with her residents. You know, um, she was a battler and a fighter and an advocate and an amazing social worker for them. And many times when you keep giving and giving and giving, sometimes something gets lost in translation. Mm -hmm. So she didn't always take the best care of herself, but her mm -hmm. purpose I have come to understand in this life was to serve and not be in serve. Mm -hmm. So one, so one time during a trip to one of her relatives, um, she had, uh, she had three strokes in four days. Oh, goodness. And, and what was, because, you know, she was not always 
compliant related to her blood pressure medication and that mm -hmm. type of thing. But the interesting thing of in a scale of one in 10, Robin's personality used to be an 11 and a half. You used to have to <laughs> tell her every once in a while, will you please come down from that ceiling? You're embarrassing us, you know? And after her stroke, I will never forget, we were out on a social gathering not too long after she was well enough to, to, to start to get out. Um, and she even returned to work, believe it or not, after that, you know, and tried to maintain her, her position after that. She was a fighter. Mm -hmm. And, and so guy put one of her friends pulled me to the side and said, so how is she really? You know, he leans forward and kind of lowers his voice a little bit. And I said, I tell you what, you know, remember how Robin used to be kind of that 11 and a half on a scale of 10? Yeah. I said, it's like they pulled some curtains down and she's like a five and a half now. Mm -hmm. She was just a little bit quieter and yeah, more introspective yeah. and, you know, and those type of things. But, you know, but as far as um, the, you know, I learned how to crack the code because the only lasting effect that you could really see with Robin was that her mind worked faster than her speech. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to crack the code. The you know her she was always two words behind what her mind said. Yeah, yeah. Compared to her mind, you know. So I did a lot of translating, you know, <laughs> in those last, uh, you know, what ended up being almost nine years of her life. In the last two and a half, she wasn't able to work anymore. Uh -huh. And I used to tell her that she had two jobs. You know, first one was to get well, and the second one was to shop. <laughs> and um, you know, and she did. She always did the shopping, you know, but but she fought the good fight. Robin did not give up. Robin gave out. Yeah. And I and I and I honor and love her so much for the fight that she fought. And then you found yourself alone uh, for the first time in you said 16. Yeah. Almost well, 22, years. 22 and a half years together, 16 and, and a half years married. We yeah. we were both climbing our career ladders at that time and you know, we didn't have time to get married. We had other things to do, mm -hmm. you know. So, but yeah. she was in my life for 22 and a half years, man. Yeah. It, you know, and to have a partner and an advocate and a, you know, and a friend and so many things that she was like that for 22 and a half years. I, I didn't realize, I always understood how fortunate I was. I truly didn't know what I lost until she wasn't around anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I was the same way. I definitely took a lot of my duty for granted, definitely, in that. Yeah. So what, as you put together the first 365 and began penning, you know, your experiences to help others, what's, what are some of the first things that you think that you went through that are important for others to consider and to think about? Well, the, the the first 365 was born out of the recommendation for my grief counselor. I knew when I lost Robin that I couldn't get to where I wanted to alone. Mm -hmm. Friends can try to understand. Family just wants you to get better. You know, you got to have that honest broker, that person that you can say whatever you want to say and do whatever you want to do. And that that they just be there to kind of keep you painting inside the lines. Mm -hmm. So so I reached out very early because I know I couldn't do it alone. So during the almost 
gosh, two years and maybe a little bit more than that, that I worked with my grief counselor. Over those years, she ended up saying, you know, I've never worked with anybody like you before. You need to write a book about this. Hmm. And so, you know, in combing the, the books and information that was out there, you know, men, I believe men grieve differently. Mm-hmm. You know, and the one thing that I was determined not to do, Tom, was that I was not going to fumble or dis, you know, disavow or really mess up the wonderful life and the wonderful person that Robin helped me to become. I, I believe that what we don't talk out, we act out. And sometimes we create a lot of collateral damage within our misbehavior. I didn't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. So that was, and sharing those, those sessions, I believe my Greek counselor saved my life. Because you can reach a point of decision where there's like worth whether you have to go on or not. So many mm-hmm. of our statistics show, I believe, that a, I believe that if you break a man's spirit, you can kill him. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't want that to happen. You know, I mean, I miss my wife every day, but, you know, let somebody else carry all those packages for a while. I didn't I didn't need to join her right away. And yeah. that was one of my motivation to be able to take that male experience and share it uh, in book form. And it was really kind of a tribute to Robin, but it's not a autobiographical book. I mean, it really is about that that walk from, you know, pain to livability. Mm-hmm. So the counselor, very important. I know that there are widowers that are friends of mine that, that don't have that yet. I mean, it sounds like that was absolutely essential. And I know for me, it was essential as well. I yeah. only met with that person for maybe a, that first year. And then kind of fell out of it. It was a woman as well. I switched over to a male uh, therapist and I didn't like it nearly as much. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if you had any similar experiences, but I was much more comfortable talking to a woman therapist about it. Um, She was not necessarily a grief counselor. Okay. But I think that that's important to know someone who really understands grief. And we worked on not just the grief of the immediate loss that I had but other losses and other hurts that went yeah. way, way back that were now kind of really coming to full force and full light under the weight of the grief of yeah. the main loss in my life. Sure. Yeah. You know, losing Robin was different than any other loss I'd ever experienced. It seemed a lot more personal because real honestly, you know, as her primary caretaker in the last two years, Mm -hmm. that was a battle that we were in. I used to always tell Robin, I said, Robin, you know, because there would be times that she would apologize for being sick. And for me, that was ridiculous Mm -hmm. because I told her at one point when she was in rehab, you know, I, I, I just told her, I said, sweetheart, from the very beginning of time, you know, God had decided that we would need each other for a time like this. It wasn't the trips. It wasn't the housing. It wasn't all the good times. It was this time. Mm-hmm. 
he put you, me in your life and you in my life for this time. And if I enjoyed everything that we had enjoyed before, sweetheart, it is time. You know, you just didn't get sick. We got sick. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do this by yourself. And I'm not going to allow you to do this by yourself. I am with you in this, just like I've been with you when we on the top of the mountain. Now, Terrell, a lot of guys, when they go through that battle, mine was really long. It was 10 years. And the last three, certainly the last two, were very bad. Um, mm -hmm. your, your ego takes a hit in a way. Um, mm -hmm. Your um, identity gets lost. And mm -hmm. then, in a way, many of us, and I think you might have transcended this, so I want you to comment on it. Many of us feel like we, you know, like a big loser is on our head, like we lost that battle. We couldn't do the one thing that we always wanted to do, which was protect our wives yeah. through that and heal them. And, yeah. you know, I think any of us would have said, look, I, I readily replace my life for your life, especially yeah. those of us who have kids who want, you know, rather have the wife going on managing the kids than us. Um, talk about those two things. Talk about the that kind of I lost the battle along with my wife and I'm stuck in that in a way. And then the loss of identity. You know, I, I had a bit of a different experience because one of the things that I did was I was I had a thousand percent confidence in the team we built around Robin to take care of. Mm -hmm. We are very fortunate in St. Louis to have some pretty special hospitals mm -hmm. and some pretty special, you know, um, institutions in place. And there's some very talented people because we are in the middle of two of the country's great teaching hospitals. Mm -hmm. So a lot of talent is centered here as they are learning and some of them stay to be professors and things of that sort. So the team that we had, I had a thousand percent confidence in because it it was a different team as the years went on that you know uh than what it started out with mm -hmm. so so for me i knew i had surrounded her with the best i knew that we fought the good fight mm -hmm. you know I, we brought out the heavy artillery and we fought mm -hmm. until that the thing that i learned thomas and my faith put me in a position because it said that once you've done everything you can, I had to accept the master's decision. Yeah. Leave it I, in fell, I fell in the place of saying that the, I, 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 I emptied the tank and, and it was his decision. Mm -hmm. Just like the gift that he gave me in her at that special time when I needed her. I just always looked at it as he reclaimed his prize. Boy, was it a loss? Oh, yeah. It will, <laughs> it's the greatest battle that I've ever fought. It is the greatest loss that I ever encountered. There won't be another one <laughs> like that. Um, you know, and, and I mean, there have been people that I've lost since Robin, you know, but it, it, it and it doesn't mean that they don't matter. It just means how it hit me is different. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I feel I'm, I didn't like his decision, 
but I've learned to accept his decision mm-hmm. and understand his decision because in, in 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 closing on this particular part is the last thing I would have ever wanted to do mm-hmm. is to watch Robin suffer. Mm-hmm. I loved her enough to let her go. And that is what I had to do. Yeah, absolutely love that. And your faith obviously has been really important through this whole process. I know that a lot of widowers start to question their faith, right? They, they can lose trust. Like, I trust you, Lord, but I, I don't like this decision, like, like you well, said. Sure. Or, or others that are flat out, they're angry. And yeah. a lot of their anger, you know, they put it upwards, unfortunately. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit, Terrell. I can understand and empathize with with people because one of the things about it is in our fundamental beliefs about our faith, we know that we all have an individual walk. Mm -hmm. So that walk is different for everybody. You know, God is a God. See, people, I always tell people this, and I hope people don't think this is sacrilegious about what I'm getting ready to say, but I just put it out there. Everybody loves the Lamb of God, mm-hmm. but nobody wants to live with the Lion of Judah. Just like he is wonderful and gifts us with wonderful things and wonderful lives, and he takes us through the hard times, and he allows us to cry, but he, but he always will take away the tears that hit those pillows and allow us to continue to go every day. Every once in a while, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. So the answer was no, I'm not going to allow you to grow old with Robin because it was never any of your business. When I gave her to you for day one, it wasn't your business when I was going to end it because she she didn't belong to you. She always belonged to me. Mm-hmm. And that is the arrangement, the all, the, the majesty He's not going to ask my permission. He Mm -hmm. never has, and he never will. But I do understand those individuals who get angry because their walk isn't where mine is. Mm -hmm. If he loved me, why would he hurt me? You know, I would have rather it have been you. You, you You are you. He is God, Tom, and we are not. Mm-hmm. He does what he will. He makes us grow more mature, sometimes both through our triumphs and through our trials. Mm-hmm. So I understand them being in place. I understand their anger. But I never have a tendency to take on battles that I know I'm not going to win. Why yeah. get angry? You're mm-hmm. not going to walk through the house and Robin's going to be sitting there when I get home today. Yeah. So if I'm going to do this thing called life, if I'm going to make the best that I can on what I have left, if I truly believe, as I believe, that I will be with her again someday, Mm -hmm. her death is is just a waste of time. I mean, go through the process and be angry, but understand that it needs to be a season. Mm-hmm. Don't park there. You know, know that at some point you got to get some joy out of what's left. 
if she was everything and there was nothing else left for me to experience in a good way, maybe I'd have been one of those angry people. Mm-hmm. But I chose instead of blaming God for taking her, I took the path to choose to honor her with mm-hmm. the days I have left. Yeah. And that's and honor decision. God's decision in that, right? And, and honor say, his decision yeah. and understand his reverence and his sovereignty. You know, mm-hmm. we hear all those words, we hear those sermons, we call ourselves people of faith, but you got to take the whole book. It's not like a fine steakhouse. It isn't a la carte. It's the mm-hmm. whole. Yeah, and I know book. that through the through those valleys, through the pain is how we build, how we grow. You know, you don't get big at the gym. You know, the, the building occurs in the in the rest, but it's that pain that gets inflicted through the work that gets you ultimately to being more fit. And I think it's the same with God. I know that I've had many, many triumphs in my life, totally blessed, but I don't learn a lot from those moments. And Mm -hmm. he really sometimes beats me over the head because I can be thick headed, Daryl, with lessons because I need to learn them. What was the big, what do you think the big, if there is a lesson or, you know, what, what God saw that he was like, you know, Terrell, I'm taking Robin home and here's what I want you to do. Did you get that kind of a new purpose message? Well, what I did was my priorities changed. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, everybody, I didn't fall into regrets, but I did fall into, I wish I had shuffled the priorities. Mm-hmm. I always thought we had more time. Yeah. You know, th- one of the things that kept her going, she said, Terrell, when I get better, I'm going to show you Paris. Because she traveled a lot more extensively during her lifetime than I did. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, I got to show you Paris. And if that kept her going, there was two things she wanted to do. She wanted to drive again <laughs> and she wanted to take me to Paris. Now, the driving, she was never that good at that to begin with. So she wasn't <laughs> going to do that no matter what. You know, but it would have been everything in the world to me, you know, to be able to go to Paris with her. I haven't in the seven and a half years since Robin's been gone, I haven't had the nerve to go to Paris yet. Yeah. Because it's just something about being there and going there without her that just doesn't seem like something I have the courage to do yet. Mm Mm-hmm. It might be too much or it might not be enough yeah. because she's not there. Yeah. Taro, my wife and I, we wanted to go to Barcelona. We never did. And mm-hmm. the beautiful thing is my daughter is there now and she's studying oh, there wow. for the entire year. And wow. I'm going to go and visit her. And yeah. I feel like, and it was kind of on this odd little circumstances that, quote unquote, circumstances, right? I think yeah. destiny that she ultimately got to go there to study abroad. Um, I don't think that was chance. And I no. can't wait to go. She's already enjoying it so much. And I cannot yeah. wait to go and experience it with her in place of my Judy. And she looks just like my late wife. Does she? So I can't wait for that. Oh, wow. But I got you that that could be, that could be rough. Um, talk a little bit about some of the other issues. We'll, we'll glance on these real quick because I know you're going to have good advice on it. Chronic sleep issues is something that I know that a lot of widowers face in the beginning. Talk about that. Did you experience that? And 
you know what, Sam? Um, my bed remains a lot bigger than it used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, but I didn't. I didn't have that. I didn't have that torturous tossing and turning um, because, real honestly, it was because of the fact that I emptied the chamber. Yeah. That I. That I. It didn't take me long to get it mm -hmm. or not necessarily, you know, I mean, accept it. There are still things that go on now that I wish she was here to see, mm -hmm. you know, but I didn't have that, that torturous stuff. I always complain to people now that, you know what, I'm really kind of mad at her because, you know, for seven and a half years, she's been gone. She hasn't talked to me one time. I've only, in the seven and a half years Robin's been gone, I've only dreamed about her three times. Yeah, me too. I don't. I and don't for dream some reason, about I just you. thought it would be more. I don't dream yeah. about her. But you know, whenever the the first time I dreamed about her, I kept asking her if she was okay. You know, and that's kind of the first two. And I realized that wasn't about me worried about her being okay. That was about me worrying about me being okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the third and the third time I dreamed, we just took off walking mm -hmm. and just talking. And laughing like we always did. And supposedly, I guess we were walking to the car. And she said, where's the car? And I'm going like, well, we must have passed the car. Where's the car? Why did you let me walk away from the car? And, you know, and so we turned to, to find the car and she was gone. Oh. And it didn't make me sad. It just made me grateful. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I didn't have those crossing and turning moments, those, those terror you know, moments. Um, I also have long used uh, a method called my own personal debrief. Mm -hmm. I, I sit in the chair in the room that used to be Robin's chair in the room, and, and I let the cares of the world go so that I can go to sleep with, with a resolute mind. Mm -hmm. And I think it helps me to, helps me to sleep. You know, the thing that I learned after Robin was gone is I had sleep apnea. She was going to let me die in my sleep and never even told me <laughs> that I snored that bad and stopped breathing. See, that's another issue I'm going to have with her. As well. <laughs> so, you know, so I learned how to sleep better because I now have my CPAP machine that helps me sleep better. All those years, she let me growl and grumble and stop breathing and all that kind of stuff and didn't say anything trying to get the insurance money. That's <laughs> what she's up to now. You didn't get the job done. Too funny. I know Judy had a lot of insurance on me, so uh, I think she was definitely counting <laughs> on, on me going first. But it didn't didn't work out yeah, that way. Well, you know what? I mean, we had a, we had a good financial plan. I tell you, that's so, good. You know, that, that I mean, helps so much. I, yeah, I mean, it. You know what? I, I I just think we tried to make sure that whatever the decision was that we wouldn't have to change our lifestyle that much. Yeah. You know, and the truth of the matter of it is, is my lifestyle has changed. I have to be a good steward over the resources I have, mm -hmm. but because she raised me so well that I'm still very resourceful now and I, I'm, I'm okay, you know, but I never will be as okay. I won't say never, never's a long time, Yeah, but it's, it will be different. Terrell, have you um, met anyone else special? Talk about relationships after Robin a little bit and give a little insight to there, our viewers of what they might want to yeah. consider. 
Yeah. The first thing I tell you is don't go too fast. Mm-hmm. I, I I went into a relationship with a really nice young lady um, way too soon. Yeah, me too. And 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 given and if I would have given it more time, it might have had a different result. She could have been the right woman, but I just got involved in the wrong time. Yeah. It is. It was my misstep, not hers. You know, and and I. I believe very much, Thomason, owning what's mine to own. And mm-hmm. I own that one. Totally agree. So that was not too long, maybe like nine months after Robin was gone. Mm-hmm. Way too early. Mm-hmm. Way too early. And so for the last, so then for the next um, five years, you know, I did my time alone, man. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I was I was lonely every day. But I healed and I got used to being by myself and I created, you know, my own space and my own pace and my own lifetime. I, you know, I focused on some other things. I traveled, you know, all those type of things. And then out of, not out of nowhere, but God has gifted me with yet another unexpected gift. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am, I'm now soon to be engaged. Oh, awesome. I, I, I will be moving, uh, hopefully. There's just a couple of more things to negotiate professionally. Um, and I will more than likely be moving to Las Vegas, where she's okay. located. And uh, it is, um, she is 22 years younger than I am. Okay. Um, so everybody in my family thinks I'm nuts, but that's okay. Um, you know, you be you, but, I mean, you it know. really is okay. You would have, you would have, you would have thought that I told them that I had stage five cancer, but, um, you know, but it's okay because it's, it's, it is like off the grid from how I've ever lived and made, you know, I mean, people love you and they worry about you. Mm-hmm. You know, but in reality, family can be very selfish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I and one of the things that I've learned from being a widower is I do that time. Mm-hmm. I I look at time completely different than anybody else does. Mm-hmm. They could they can want the best life for me, but I have to create the best life for me. Mm-hmm. And 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 my soon to be fiance and wife makes me happy and there i you deserve go. to be happy and you do deserve so everybody that. else five everybody years. else everybody else needs to line up you know behind that yeah and and, and that you know and and i'm probably being a lot more selfish than they're used to but i'm not going to apologize for it. yeah no and we do deserve to be happy and i think that that's something that a lot of widowers sometimes don't give themselves grace about. They're like, no, I need to keep suffering. I need to keep suffering because my wife's not here and and she didn't get to to live, so I'm not going to live. And I'm like, no, God didn't put you here for that. God put you here to live, to create a new life. Yeah. Well, you know, again, it's about respecting his choices and his decisions. Yeah. Uh, You know, I, I tell men all the time and I challenge men all the time. You get no points for suffering in silence. Mm-hmm. If you hurt, 
you deserve to say, ouch. If you hurt, you deserve to be honest and say that I'm hurting and I need help. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to do penance, then then you are choosing your life. Mm-hmm. Um, your suffering that and especially self-imposed suffering is not going to make the master come and get you a day earlier than he plans to. Mm-hmm. He's going to sit so, there and let you keep suffering. And he's going to sit there because it's your choice. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time that one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave us was free will. Mm-hmm. One of the worst gifts God ever gave us was free will. <laughs> so what do you do with that free will? You know, I mean, they got to understand that I believe that the first big question that I'm going to get asked at the gates when I'm trying to sneak in the side door, you know, in the heaven is this. What did we do with the gifts that I gave you? Mm-hmm. And how did you Agreed love and serve your fellow man? If I if my answer is I died the day Robin died. That's not a good answer. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I agree. And we are given these gifts and they they're there to serve. And uh, the more that you can recognize that, that you still have gifts and going on and you can leverage those for a greater good outside of yourself and that you don't deserve to die suffering, that there can be happiness for you, that God didn't intend for this to be a continuous suffering for you, that that's important. It is. I mean, it, it's such a missed opportunity. Yeah. You know, when you, when you have someone that you love as deeply as I love Robin, when I watched her have the courage to die, mm-hmm. what kind of person would I be not to truly understand? Now, honestly, Death is a little less scary to me now mm-hmm. because if she could do it, I will be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And so it it just isn't, I don't think it's a productive way to spend what I have left making myself miserable. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why I love the fact that I wrote the book. That book yeah. will outlive me. Mm-hmm. It and as you said, there aren't, there aren't that many. You know, I went on a search and, and like you said, you don't want to suffer alone. So one of the ways is you do research. You know, you listen to podcasts. You do, there's, there's definitely some stuff out there, but there's not a lot. There's more books on how to date widowers, Terrell, than there are to help support widowers. It blew me away. <clears throat> yeah. And, and that's, you know, and, and that's why, you know, my book is not a long book. It's not war and peace. It doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a book of tools. Mm-hmm. It's not a how-to book and, you know, do it the way that I do it. You know, I mean, I looked at, it, it talks about the seasons of grief, mm-hmm. you know, and I use the seasons. And the other part that it talks about is what I call the 10 tenets of grief, which is almost like my 10 rules. What was the structure that I put within my life that helped me to survive? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, my publicist keeps threatening to stop working with me if I don't bring out a workbook to support the first 365 and allow people to go through it and build their own tenants, their mm-hmm. own rules. 
mm-hmm. you know, so I guess I better do that at some point. You yeah. Know, I don't and it's not, that. not for the publicist, but for those listeners who I know want to heal and want to grow and Terrell is yeah. definitely your mission. So what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our widowers, our growth warriors with today? Be patient with yourself. Mm-hmm. Be loving to yourself. You, healing and your purpose and the quality of your life, because we have no control over the quantity that we have left. But the quality of your life is built on the foundation of being loving to yourself, being having grace with yourself. Ask for help if you need it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, pray. If you pray, if you must, because I believe that you should, I don't tell you who to pray to and what to pray to, but find something that you believe in. If you look in the mirror and that person on the other side of the mirror is the person that inspires you to move forward, do that. There's no right and there's no wrong way to do it. Don't look at me. Don't look at Thomas. Don't look at anybody else and say, because I'm not like them, I'm not doing well. You woke up, you're doing well. Just make today a little bit better than yesterday. Find that place. If if you need to put pictures in the house of the good times when you're with your spouse, let that be joy in every room. Mm -hmm. You know, if you need to move, move. But whatever it is, don't quit. And Mm -hmm. know that he did not leave you here to punish you. The other thing of it is, is everybody did not have a good relationship Mm -hmm. with, with their spouse. Everybody doesn't have good relationships with the family that that is behind. Some of them can't stand you. It does not matter. The only person that lost their spouse on that day was you. (laughs) Own what's yours to own. And the last thing I say is consider becoming the curator of the memories called the love that you had for your spouse. Don't let anybody else be the curator mm-hmm. of the museum of your love. I love that. Terrell, thank you so much. I know that there were very specific questions that I've gotten from some widowers that you were able to answer today. I'm going to share this with them. And the book, The First 365, available on Amazon. We've got the link in our tools section yeah. already. Um, so right. please order that. And uh, thank you. Thank you for participating in our yeah. birthday. And, you know, and reach out reach out to me. You know, now that I think we're living in a little bit more open world, I I look forward to, you know, hopefully conferences or whether it's online or whether it's in person. You know, we have work to do, Thomas, and mm-hmm. we got a lot of people out there. You know, if you get in a room with me and people like me, mm-hmm. you won't come out the same. Yeah. We deliver hope. Yeah. You There's 3.6 million of us. Yeah. In the U.S. alone. Yeah. In the U.S. Yeah. Almost. I mean, so, you know, so I'll spend the next chapter of my life trying to connect with men. And I don't care where I have to travel. Mm -hmm. Wherever there's a pain, there's a need for me to be there. All right. Terrell, I will take you up on that because I am going to get a retreat together before too long. And it's definitely part of my mission plan, what I think I've been put here to do. And uh, you're going to be front and center, brother. Hey. 
Let, let's let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let, let's let's do it. Let's let's start. Let's start a movement because we know it's necessary. Yeah, and we have it on. Hey, I thank now, you for so. the privilege. I hope yeah. it's been. I hope I've been of some help. You have. I, been. I look forward to seeing it. Yeah, everyone. If you liked what you heard, please hit the like button. Uh, be sure to subscribe to stay up to date. And until next time, my growth warriors, keep growing. Mm -hmm.